Hey, good to have you here this morning as we're starting a brand new series called Never Mind When Letting Go is the Best Option. Now, how many of you ever heard the adage, hurt people hurt people? Yeah. Now, if, you've, if, if you have not heard that before, I, I, I can guarantee one thing. Each and every one of you have experienced it in one way or another. Now, sometimes you, 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 don't, you don't realize it. Sometimes, you know, you see a reaction or response from somebody. And, you know, you, you wonder to yourself, you know, where did that come from? Why, why are they reacting so, so much more than what the original offense was? Why, why is it that, that, you know, there's this protracted kind of response that just doesn't make sense? And you know they're resisting something, and you know that you can say to yourself, there's something there. There's a hurt there. There's, there's a history there. There's an experience there. There's something that I've tapped into that they're responding to that hurt not necessarily what I said or did to them. And other times, you know, you, you totally understand where it comes from. You, you know, you're, you're close enough to the individual and you understand what they've gone through. And you kind of say to yourself, oh, I should have known better. I, can, I, I can't believe, you know, I totally understand the response. I totally understand in light of the hurt, in light of the difficulties, in light of what they're experiencing, in light of what, you know, all, all, all of that they've gone through. I can totally understand where the hurt and where the difficulty comes from. And in some way, each and every one of us live with some kind of woundedness, some kind of hurt, some kind of pain that actually frames the way we see the world, that actually frames the way we see uh, our relationships. That actually, and, 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 you know, I don't know how many times I've stood with someone and it's like, um, you know, you're talking about a particular situation and you know the boundary line is really far away. When it comes to a particular herd or it comes to a particular problem that they have. And you can almost see the boundary line going like, boy, that's a far way away. You know, you know, it's very quick for somebody to come in and for you to respond in a hurtful, in a hurtful way. You know, it's woundedness that we've all experienced in one way or another. You know, I've, I've, I've kept, I, I want to illustrate, I want to begin with an illustration this morning as, as we start talking about this. I remember a number of years I heard a story about a kidnapping of, of a man in New York City, okay? And, um, you know, the police were called in and they talked to the wife and they said, we're going to sit by the phone and wait for the ransom call to come in. And, uh, you know, gave the, gave the wife instructions, but they were totally shocked when the, when the call came in from the kidnappers asking the wife for $100,000, okay? Which is, you know, totally what the police were expecting, but the police did not expect the wife's response. She started negotiating with them <laughs> and saying, you are not getting $100,000 for him. There's just no way... And, 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 and she went through a whole litany of stuff saying, you know, no way. And she talked them down to $30,000. <laughs> now, <laughs> I, was, I was shocked by the story the way it was written because it was like this beautiful happy ending. You know, because eventually the police got the money back. Got the, got the husband back, uh, even captured the, the kidnappers, all of that, you know, and it all became a nice wrapped up story. 
But I thought to myself, what about the husband? What kind of a house is he going back into? How's he going to feel? How's he going to react? How's he going to respond? What about the hurt? You know? And you know, if, if you're a believer here this morning, there's this big word that we use that we throw around all the time. And we use it sometimes as a weapon. And we use it sometimes as a demand. And we use it sometimes as, as, as almost by saying, get over it. And it's this word forgiveness. And it's this powerful word that we use all the time. And if we were probably with this husband and, and, it's, and, and, and he was struggling, we probably would have said to him, you know, you've got to at some point forgive. And even, even if he decided this is not the place for me to be anymore, and he left, it still wouldn't solve the problem, would it? Because there's some damage there. There's some hurt there. And, and here's, here's my experience as a pastor, is that we often throw out the whole imagery of forgiveness, but forget that there's something, a wall that often prevents most of us from getting to the place of forgiveness in the first place. You know, how many of us have ever heard somebody say, I would love to forgive, but I can't get past. And the fill in the line, fill in the blank with whatever. I can't get past the anger. I can't get past the hurt. I can't get past the bitterness. I can't get past. I can't get past. I can't get past. And so often we're stuck that when it comes to forgiveness, that we forget that there's this wall, that there's this barrier, that sometimes there's this place that we have to deal with first before forgiveness can ever be fully realized. That forgiveness isn't a moment in time. It's often a process that we get to. It's a place that God works in our lives. It's a place where, where, where you know, we can talk the theology of forgiveness as much as we want. But the reality is, for many of us, it's a place that we can't get to because of something significant that's happened in our lives. And you want to know something? The real work of God, the real work of transformation happens in that place. Happens in that place. You know? So I want to take us... Um, I, you know, I read actually a, a, a statement by a Psychology Today blogger, Stephen Diamond with a PhD, and he defines bitterness. We're talking about bitterness this morning. He defines bitterness as a chronic and pervasive state of smoldering resentment and deservedly regards it as one of the most destructive and toxic of human emotions. He says that bitterness is, has a way of prolonging the pain, even making it worse. It leads to anxiety and depression. It can lead to preventing us from having a joyful life, living life to the maximum. That this bitterness takes this, this kind of place in our lives where we define everything that we do by the bitterness that we have inside of us. It can deepen our distrust. It can deepen our cynicism, you know, of others. I don't know how many times, you know, uh, you know I've, I've been dealing with bitterness. And it's like you view people in a totally different way. You forget even their humanness at times. Because you frame people in a, in a, in a, in a particular box. 
and, and you respond to them. You know, how many times have you not felt that you were heard, but people were only hearing you based on the hurt that they had in their lives? We've all experienced that to one way or another. Overall, it makes us an emotional mess and often to hear the call of forgiveness first and foremost without dealing with the bitterness, without dealing with the hurt, often leaves us in a place that makes us even more bitter, more angered, more less human even at times in our lives. Now, the Bible obviously has a lot a lot to say about this. And if there's any trajectory that the Bible wants to take us to, it is forgiveness. There's no doubt about it. But I want to take us to a couple of passages, just just really unpack them uh, quickly for you and talk about this thing about how important it is of letting go. In Hebrews 12, 15, I love this passage. It says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Now, I love that passage because look at the very first sentence. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. You know, if you were to ask me, what is it that God wants you to experience today? I I would say what God would want you to experience in some small measure today is, is a measure of his grace. If there's anything that we need in our lives more than anything else, it's a little bit of grace. Right? You know, a little bit of grace. Just, can we just sense a a little bit of grace? And it's funny that the community, the writer of Hebrews is talking about us as a community. Be grace to one another. Be able to carry each other, you know, in some way be the hands and feet of Jesus, to, you know, with whatever difficulties, whatever experiences you're, you're going through right now. And watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you. And listen, look, look what it says, corrupting many. Now, I love, the, I love the Greek in this particular passage because the Greek is talking about an actual inedible poisonous plant that ends up. You know, if you were to eat the fruit of it, it's poisonous and it would hurt you. And it, would, it, it, and it actually is the picture of a plant, you know, that, 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 that the Greek word is, is talking about. It's something that grows inside of you. It's something that festers inside of you. And every time you, 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 you know, try to pluck something from that plant that is inside of you, it just, it just poisons you. It hurts you. And this bitterness, you see, nature abhors a vacuum. And when grace doesn't abound in a community, that vacuum gets filled, based on this passage, by things like bitterness, anger. It causes trouble. And a poisonous root affects a lot of people. That's what the writer of Hebrews is warning us against. That bitterness can do. You know, there's a, there's a tension when it comes to bitterness. Many of us, many of us wonder how is it that we can hold on to bitterness and 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 hold someone else accountable for what they've done to us, but at the same time not let bitterness fester 
and destroy us from the inside. That's a very difficult tension to hold. You know, forgiveness often means, or it can feel like, that we're letting that person off the hook. That's not necessarily what forgiveness is, but that's what it feels like for us. And when bitterness is festering inside of us, it's almost as if, what about them? What about what they did to me? What about justice? What about payback? What about, what about, what about, what about? And that's where it becomes difficult, you know. But every writer, every biblical writer talks in one way or another about bitterness. Here's another passage from the Apostle Paul. Um, Very well-known passage. And I love what he does. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. And look at the replacement, you know. The thing is, you just can't say to people, get rid of this. Okay? What forgiveness does is replace, intended to replace bitterness. Be kind, instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Paul addresses this whole point of forgiveness. I, I like what Anne Lamott wrote. She wrote in Traveling Mercies, not forgiving is like drinking rat poison and then waiting for the rat to die. <laughs> oh, by the way, you know what my favorite illustration of forgiveness is? Uh, how many of you like cats? Do you know? Okay. Okay? Do you know that do you know that scientists have just released a study saying that cats are the only animal that, that does not forgive? They studied all these other animals and they have a capacity to forgive? Yeah, and you're going, Oh yeah, I, I totally get it. It did yeah. I didn't need a scientist, I didn't need a study to tell me that, right? <laughs> But cats are the only animal the scientists have figured out. Do not forgive. All right. Don't hurt your cat because of it, okay? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not advocating for that. Listen, the reason why we struggle with unforgiveness is God has built in each and every one of us a sense of justice. And we try to find that justice in someone else. It just doesn't work. That our justice is found in God and God alone. That that sense of wanting justice is to drive us to God. It is part of what we worship and how we worship. That we release the hurts and the bitterness to the Lord and to him. I don't. I don't love vertically first, to be honest. I love, I love, I mean horizontally first. I love vertically first. In response to how God has loved me. That the way I respond in a loving manner is not that I expect something from you that's going to give me value as a human being. I already have value as a human being because of what Christ has done for me and in me. 
And because of that, and because of that love, and because of what I've experienced as a believer, that's what allows me to live my life seeing you the way God should see you. God does see you. See, God has chosen us to live in a world of sin and unforgiveness. But we should never, ever, ever consider a safe place to put my spiritual well-being into the hands of another human being. Ever. If we rely on another human being for our own spiritual well-being, we are in big trouble. If you're looking at, you know, you know, leadership, pastor, spouse, to be, to be what fills the emptiness of your soul spiritually, you will always be disappointed. That the Lord and the Lord alone is the only one that is capable to be the fulfillment of everything that you need spiritually. And yet so often we expect, we expect others to fulfill that place for us. And that's always dangerous to do that. It's always dangerous to do that. Andy Stanley even wrote in, it came from within. He says, in the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like the decision to reward my enemy. But in the shadow of the cross, forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. One undeserving soul to another. I'm not saying for a moment, you know, I, 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 got, I got to tell you, um, I was going to give you kind of like the four steps of getting rid of, of bitterness. And, you know, I couldn't do it. I just, I just couldn't do it because it just seems so um, mechanical and so pat. And I started thinking of some of, some of you and, and what you're experiencing right now in your own lives. And I thought, it'd be, I thought it, was, it would be insulting to just throw that out at you and just say, here's the easy four steps for you to get over bitterness and anger, resentment, and hurt. That... I, th- I thought would have been so unfair and not necessarily real. Because bitterness is a toxic emotion that we all hold in one form or another. And yet we know it's one of the biggest barriers to God doing a work in us that is immeasurably more than we can ever hope or imagine. I'm not saying it's ever easy to let go. Some of you have some very profound hurts, and they likely will never go away. And the trajectory of forgiveness is so far in the future. You know, um, I was reading a story of Malcolm Gladwell. Many of you probably know his writings and his latest book on David and Goliath. He actually returned to his Christian faith because of writing that book. He had grown up in a Christian home, but had walked away from it. And he was interviewing a family, actually in Winnipeg, Canada. And and he's talking in the book. 
who experienced a parent's worst nightmare, having a daughter abducted and murdered. And he was sitting with the family in their garden, and the, and the mom was saying how she would like to know who these people are because she realizes that they are lacking a love in their life that she'd like to tell them about. And then, and then she continued by saying, you know, forgiveness is hard and I'm not ready for that. And she said this, at this point. Now that hit Malcolm Gladwell, like a ton of breath, to hear that statement. And that's what he focused on is at this point. There are many of you here today who are at that point. You're not ready for forgiveness. You're not ready for, you know, letting go. You're not ready to do away with the bitterness. You're not ready. You're just not ready yet. But that's the wonderful thing about the faith that we hold as believers is that there is a trajectory in our lives that says hope is available. That we are going to hopefully get to that place where forgiveness does become real. That the bitterness no longer stings. That the hurt no longer commands. That the reaction to life no longer holds you know, sway by the things that have hurt us. And have taken us back. That there is something to be said for all of that. That we can be at that point. You know, some of you here know exactly what I'm talking about. But that's the wonder of being a believer in Jesus Christ. That we have the hope of forgiveness. That the bitterness does not have to have the final say. That the hurt doesn't have to define you. That you don't have to live in the shadow of a past. But you can live in the light of a future that is purely in the hands of God. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying you're going to get there quickly. It's a process. But oftentimes, you know, you know that if you stay there, that's, that's the one thing we do know for sure. That if you stay there, you will never get better. You know, I've always, I've always said that the Bible helps us with the what now, doesn't it? With the what now. Bitterness. We all carry a, a part of it. But it doesn't have to have the final word. Let me pray. And after prayer, um, I have a very special announcement. I want you to, to be very attentive. But after I pray, I'm going to ask uh, the worship team to come up before I make the special announcement. And um, I, I just want to take a moment, though, in, in the silence of this time to, to pray for us in our church. Father, thank you. That your word speaks so wonderfully into the very core of our hearts and the core of our being. And in a way that demonstrates how well you know us, Lord. Give us hope 
always in the midst of the hurt and the bitterness and the resentment and the anger that we can carry because of the hurt we've experienced from other people. But Lord, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not only about salvation, but it's about becoming whole again in God. That we can release what we have and seek a life of fruitfulness and forgiveness and a life that holds us accountable for who we are before you. And thank you that in so many ways we don't have to live with a sense of this is going to be my definition for the rest of my life. That this in your hands becomes something wonderful and even something that we can help and encourage and inspire others who are experiencing the exact same thing. So Lord, thank you for this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.